Welcome back to Christ in All Ministry. This is Elonzo Davis, and we're back with another teaching about the parable of the good ground. So we're in Matthew chapter 13, and we're looking at verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, and the others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so this teaching that we have here is obviously about a man who's sowing seed. And so we often hear this uh, used in the circle of uh, Christianity that I'm in, uh, charismatic, Pentecostal. We often hear that this uh, last verse that we just read, uh, verse well, the last two verses we just read, verse eight and nine, right? About some 100, some 60, some 30 fold in reference or regards to um, financial gain. And so you oftentimes hear preachers use this verse to prove the uh, return on giving that we do believe in and I do believe in. However, when we continue to read this verse, this is actually not applicable in such cases. And so I want to kind of just... Um, straighten out what we believe about this parable because I because we so often use this parable in uh, regards to the financial increase you know the, the gospel is prosperity itself it's the good news but uh, we're losing the true meaning of this teaching here because we immediately try to connect it to financial gain and we cannot do that given the verses that we're about to read so if we were to go down in between what we're skipping here Jesus is just explaining to the disciples how um the mysteries of the kingdom are not given to everyone. And so we want to really identify what is the point of this parable. And so Jesus explains what it means right here. In verse 18 of the same chapter, he says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. The disciples came into a private place with Jesus and they asked him, what did that really mean? And this is what he's saying. 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100 some 60 and some 30. and so in the same manner that we can identify jesus christ as the only way to god the father is the same way we can identify the word is exclusively being spoken of in this parable of the good ground how can we say that well the use of the word the or the depending on how you're pronouncing it right jesus says that i am the way exclusive the truth exclusive and the life exclusive and so when jesus is talking about the parable of this uh the sower and the good ground right he's saying that the seed is the word of god and he quite explicitly says in verse 19 when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it right and it's saying that is it 
if the word is seed, where is it being sown at? It's being sown on our hearts and our hearts is where we get our understanding from. And so that's why he finishes verse 19 by saying that the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So when we hear the word of God and faith comes because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, what is truly happening is we are being sown the word of God like seed onto the ground of our hearts. And so we would hear people take this parable and preach about it a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold return on financial giving. We kind of just get lost in a translation with that. And because people might not have understanding of what this truly means, they can't be fruitful with it because understanding is knowing why. And understanding things that are holy brings favor. And so the favor that we would be getting from understanding is absent from our lives. And then people are doing things because they just heard about it and there's no real revelation on it. There's no understanding. So then God can't really bless it because it's not really faith and this, that, and the fourth. And so a lot of people get hurt. They get church hurt because they hear teachings like this. And because these teachings are really inaccurate, what goes to show for it is nothing. There's no production or fruitfulness in their lives because what truly happened was they, they weren't sown doctrine or scripture they were just so man's theology and whatever a man heard but when we truly dive into the scripture what makes something good ground is that it's holy we look at the other four types of soil the one on the wayside the one that's thorny and the one that's stony what's really happening is these these the soil hasn't been tilled it hasn't been guarded it hasn't been kept so it's not truly set apart there's all this stuff that's in the way right it's not sanctified it's not consecrated and we know that things that are consecrated it was consecration is the actions that we take to be set apart or remain set apart. And the state of being set apart is to be holy as God is holy, right? So when consecration is not taking place, then something cannot inevitably end up on the road or the path of holiness. So these other four types of ground are grounds that truly are not holy. And because they're not holy, they're not producing. And so what makes somebody a good ground is that, again, they're just holy, they're saved, there's, they're consecrated, they're sanctified. And so that's the ground that produces fruit. And so it doesn't actually like matter in this case. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where you sow. And that's the problem with trying to make this, um, trying to make this teaching about like, oh, we're good ground or a financial game because it's not about financial game. So let's look at Genesis 26 to kind of explain why it doesn't matter where you sow. What truly matters is who is sowing when it comes to giving financially. And again, this has nothing to do with the parable of the good ground because it's not about giving there. It's not about finance. It's about receiving the word and what, and what type of person bears fruit with the word. Now, I want to also go here to prove that we do believe in a hundredfold return. And this right here is why, loosely. And so in Genesis chapter 26, we kind of turn from Abraham unto Isaac. And verse one says that there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. So we go down to verse 12. Isaac's still there. And it says, this is a famine now. Then Isaac sold in that land. And reap that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Let me read the next one. Then man, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosper. Oof, prospering and continued to prosper until he became very prosper. Like, come on, praise the Lord. And so, what do we see there? This man sold literally in the on whatever type of ground. It was famine. It was dry ground. It wasn't wet. It's not conducive to produce fruit. But because he's blessed. Because he's holy, he's been set apart, you know, he's consecrating himself. What he did on the land, right, which was so, it was, he just, it returned onto him a hundredfold return. And so, what do we see there? It does not matter. 
literally like it doesn't matter where you sow the ground is not about the ground the ground is somebody's heart the seed is the word of god and the proofiness is what somebody understands and then by acting in faith right which is understanding that you act upon based on the word of god from a heart of love all this other stuff because faith works by love right that's what produces fruit that's what brings an increase from the word being received now, we do believe in the hundredfold return. I'm just pointing out that in Matthew 13, the parable of the good ground has nothing to do with that because Jesus later on in that chapter, after he says the parable first at verse three, we get to about verse 18. And he explains what he's what he was talking about. And so he exclusively identifies that parable to deal with the word of God. And again, that's not to say that there's no such thing as a hundredfold return. We see here, right? Isaac sowing in the famine had nothing to do with the ground. It had everything to do with him, he himself. He had the word of God and he knew that he was going to produce with the word of God. He had faith in, he trusted in the Lord and the Lord giving him the same promise and blessing as Abraham. Everything that Isaac did had to bless him. And so he got a hundredfold return. And then if we leave and look at the parable of the ser servants with the talents, right? What do we see from that? Well, the ones that went and um, did what the master expected them to do while he was away, they doubled the talents that they had. And so, the uh, you know, a talent is just like a measurement of weight for coins. And so if you are um, familiar with any financial like investing, you would know that if you double what you had sown or well, what you gave, what you invested, that's a hundred percent return. And so again, we see another hundredfold return in the Bible. So we have two witnesses to in our giving that at minimum, we should be expecting a hundredfold return, literally. And so that makes even what we try to say about some 60, some 30, some 100, even more inaccurate because when it comes to giving, as we see in the Bible, there are two instances where there was just a hundredfold return. And so let's talk about the heart of man, because this is the true meaning. This is the real understanding of this verse. If you're going to read it in context or this parable, if you're going to read it in context, is that the heart is somebody is somebody's ground. Right. And so people have stony hearts. The Bible says that God will take a heart of stone and make it flesh. Like people have thorny hearts where there's all this stuff that is just ready to choke out the word to be received. And people just have hearts that are just non-conducive to receiving the word. And you just hear it. It doesn't even go in one ear or out the other. It just goes right above them. And what we truly are seeing from Jesus, Jesus teaching here is that he already understands that there are people that he's going to talk to that are not going to get it. There are people that he's going to talk to that are going to get it for a little bit, but ultimately they're not going to stand on it. There's people that he's going to talk to that will probably even just know it, but they never come to an understanding. And this is what makes this first or this parable so consequential to understand. The good ground are those people that are saved, those people that are wholly consecrating themselves or on this road to sanctification, which is the path to holiness, right? God says to be holy as I'm holy. Jesus says to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And when the good ground does these things by the grace of God, obviously, what do we see? We see that some produce a hundredfold from their understanding of the word. Some produce a 60 fold from their understanding of the word and some produce a 30 fold from their understanding of the word. And I want to kind of bring this to the uh, topic of denominations. I'm not a like theologian. I don't keep up with like all of this and that and Catholics and Southern Baptist, missionary Baptist, AME. I mean, I've heard of them. I don't really know what everybody believes. All I do know is that there's understandings different understandings of the scripture, right? There are different traditions. There are things that they believe differently about theology. There are things that they believe differently about doctrine. And we oftentimes hear people making fun of every denomination. And so I want to just 
bring to the topic, right, that somebody's understanding does not mean that they're not good ground based on the, the, the parable that we just read, right? So, but somebody, through someone's understanding, right, he says those that receive the word and understand it, at minimum, they should be bearing a 30-fold return. And I mean, I'm listen, I listen to Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, or he's pastor now, Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and uh, make jokes about everybody, he does. And but one thing he always commends the Baptist uh, believers on is that they know how to go out and evangelize. They know how to get people in church, right? And so, I'm not saying that they are building a 30-fold, right? But I mean, I, I even have friends that are missionary Baptists. I have friends that are just Southern Baptists, and they don't even believe in uh, that healings for today, tongues, and uh, prosperity. And so, not harping on that, right? But one thing they do is they get people in church, right? And one thing they do is that they even get people to receive salvation. That's to the point where they're going to go to heaven if they die. And so there's no such thing as being good ground and not having production, right? Because it says at minimum, the lowest number is 30-fold. The highest number, obviously, is 100-fold. And so we know that there's po it's possible to produce a 100-fold, right? Maximum efficiency, from understanding the work. So it's possible to understand the will of God and to bear the fruit that you should be bearing from it. And one thing that we like to say is that like nobody's perfect. And that goes against multiple Bible verses, Bible verses in the New Testament as well. And I'm just pointing that out because it's not me saying this, but I'm just speaking what the word says. So I'm speaking what God says, right? He sees us as perfect. Even the Old Testament, he called Job perfect. And so Obviously, perfect. Well, not obvious, because then I wouldn't have to explain this. But perfection is something of the heart. It's, it's something of the spirit. It has nothing to do with our physical being. Perfection is a, a path, right? The same way that salvation is a path. Paul says it's not as though I've obtained it yet, right? But, you know, woe to him if he goes around doing all this stuff and he still doesn't receive the promise. And so it's a, it's a path. It's a narrow path that we stay on. As we stay in obedience, as we stay in love and we abide in the word, the word abides in us. And so I want to just bring up that people know this and they don't really open up understanding about it. How there's a single church that did not get rebuked from the letters that we have in the New Testament. And if you know what that church is, you can put it in the comments. I'll wait. The Church of Philippi. And so what do we see there? Paul is really just encouraging them. He's exhorting them. He's comforting them. He's not rebuking them. He's not telling them, hey, you're doing this wrong. Or, I mean, I heard this about you. Like, what is this that I hear? Like at the Corinthians church, right? No. Who bewitched you? Like the church of Galatia? No. He's just exhorting this church. So what can we tell from that, right? That they had understanding and they were being fruitful. They were producing. And so it's possible to get it right. Because what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. And so if Jesus tells us to go forward and sin no more, he's telling us don't miss the mark anymore. And whatever he commands of us, he empowers us to do it. And so that's what we see, I would say, with this church of Philippi, right? That this is a church that quite possibly was on their way to bearing a hundredfold or probably was already bearing a hundredfold from understanding the word of God. And that's what I just want to uh, encourage people to do, right? To strive to have understanding. Because um, let me read one of my favorite verses, not in here. And I just wanted to prove that it is possible. And then, you know, don't even harp on like, oh, nobody's perfect. That's not what the Bible says. And we see that there is a point in the Bible where somebody is doing exactly what God expects of them. And they are being fruitful with it. And there's nothing, they're above reproach. Even Daniel, 
I'm thinking about is coming to me. It says that Daniel had a more ex excellent spirit about him, right? That Daniel, there was no, there was no occasion that the people that hated him could find against him. And um, there's somewhere in the New Testament as well where Paul even tells us to strive to be above reproach. And um, I'm gonna read this in the King James version. I'll end with this. This is Second Peter, chapter one, and this is why understanding is so important. So. Verse two, he's, done, he's greeting them in verse one. And verse two says this, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Knowledge of him who is holy is understanding. So he says through the knowledge of God. So through the understanding of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Right. And so he says understanding or knowledge of God and Jesus Christ multiplies grace and peace unto you. Then it says in verse three, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge of him. So understanding that has called that he's called us to glory and virtue. And so from just literally understanding, taking the scripture and understanding it, taking it for what it's saying and understanding it, not trying to add this and that to it to kind of prove this and that. Like, no, the word proves itself. Just read it. But it says, have an understanding it multiplies grace and peace onto your life. And it also gives you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So all we need is the word, but we need the word inaccuracy, not inaccurately. Because the word, or let's say like this, truth with inaccuracy is perversion. And God can't bless perversion. And so we're going to be Bible scholars, Bible students, right? Paul tells us that the word is um, fit for reproof, for edification, all this other stuff to Timothy. Uh, Peter even goes as far as telling us that we need to be ready to um, give an answer to somebody's questions about why do we hope in Jesus. And uh, I really want to say that Paul gives us the instruction that um, to study to show ourselves approved. Right. And so if we're going to do that. We can't just start putting what we want to put. Right. We can't. Theology is good, obviously. Right. But we can't just start making it up when it's not doctrinally sound. And we don't need to be teaching people these things either because they can't bear fruit with it because it's not the word. So there's no faith in that. God can't honor that. He doesn't honor ignorance because it says that he's given us what access to knowledge. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask. And then it says he's given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness as we grow in the knowledge of him. So if people are not growing in life, they're not growing in godliness. They're not being multiplied in peace. They're not being multiplied in grace. It's because somewhere along the line, they are not receiving knowledge of Jesus. They're not receiving knowledge of God and they're not having understanding that brings favor. Can you say amen? Well, thank you for sticking through another teaching. I'm glad that you came all the way if you got to this point. And so I would just ask that you would please subscribe, like, and comment. And then just think about sharing this with somebody else. God bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name.